All right. Hello there. And thank you for joining us here on Lion's Guide. And I know a number of you folks out there that listen to this show and have followed me and the Lion's Guide team journey um, are entrepreneurs and business owners. And so I'm excited to have Tim Calise, uh, who helps uh, growing tech-enabled service businesses, you know, scale from being, you know, inconsistent in their income and grow it to a valuable exit. This is a Topic of conversation I have with a number of uh, clients, Alliance Guy, often they are business owners. And, you know, we kind of run into this point where we aren't sure what the plan is. Um, so uh, excited to talk about that today. So uh, if this is your first time joining us, I'm Dale. I'm founder of Lions Guide, and we're here to empower business owners, executives, and everyday people like you to be world-class leaders. And on the show, what we do is we set out to explore the stories of our guests and the lessons they've learned and so that you might learn those lessons as well. So today, Tim, welcome. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, doing very well. Thank you for having me on the show. Looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So, so tell us a little bit, the 30-second drill, who you, who you are and what do you do? My name is Tim Kalisa. I am a business consultant and coach uh, and investor in uh, growing service-based businesses, primarily helping those folks that uh, dream to go from you know, half a million dollars, a quarter million dollars a year in revenue up to that magical kind of three to five million range where the world kind of opens up uh, and doing it in a way as a father of three kids uh, in a way that takes advantage of all the leverage points that uh, that are available to us so that we can get the most out of each and every day uh, and all of our hard-earned efforts uh, to make it worthwhile all in the end. So that's, uh, that's what I've dedicated, I've done for the last 20 years and, and helped new folks uh, along the way. So what does it mean then, you know, because, you know, again, I know what you're talking about, that, that spot where you're in this grind and you're putting in the 60-hour yeah. weeks and you're like, not sure if it's worth it. And then you said, you, you said something where you get up to that three to 5 million mark and everything opens up. Like, what does that mean? You know, what, is, what are we looking at there? Yeah. So, and I think for anyone who's ever started a business or is in the process of, of trying to scale a business, uh, it's like getting a, a, you know, a boulder moving. The first kind of part of the journey is, is really kind of the hardest part, the zero to to kind of $100,000, $200,000 a year, it's it's really lonely. <laughs> and it's it's kind of hard to kind of start to get your feet underneath you. Uh, but what I have found, and, and the reason why I, I love uh, working with the folks that I do is because, you know, they have an existing uh, kind of uh, artifact, a, a piece of art that they're trying to, to mold and create this into something that they have the vision of. Uh, and so I love kind of helping them take that uh, refine it. And as I said, you know, uh, it's not just, you know, work more, grind more. Uh, you know, if you're doing 40 hour weeks, if you only did 80 or 100 hour weeks, uh, things would be different. It's it's quite frankly, just doing it in a different way where we order the the things that need to be done, where we can get the most, the most bang for our buck each and every day, each week, each quarter, etc. Uh, but once you get to that kind of $3 million, uh, the one the one million is first, that opens up a whole nother uh, kind of window of, you know, ability to just be able to buy back, you know, the things that you either are not phenomenal at, or just is not the best use of your time. And then once you hit 3 million, kind of everything breaks again. Uh, and then from there, uh, we kind of reinvent the business in a way that can get us from you know, three to, to five or 10 or something like that. So uh, there's a, a, a an old fable of or a, a rule of thumb that the ones and threes are where everything breaks. So, you know, once you get up to a million, things change. Once you get to three, things change. Uh, and then again, until you hit, uh, you hit 10 million. So uh, it's just that that beginning part of the market is where I 
I absolutely love working with folks uh, that are in that stage of, of, of their careers. So, so tell me then about your background. Like, how did you, how did you get into all this? What, where do you, where do you, where do you hail from? What do, what do you, uh, what do you do? What do you, what, I mean, as far yeah. as you getting here, where did you come from to get here? Yeah, I, uh, so I grew up in uh, a, a family of, my dad was in actually in the banking industry and in the finance industry. Uh, and I think when I started, my earliest memories of kind of school was thinking that there was a path or a way that this is, you know, this life is supposed to go. And I never felt like that fit me exactly. I was kind of the kid that you'd always, was always taking things apart and putting them back together again and, and kind of always has this kind of creative entrepreneurial streak in me. Uh, and so I, I chose, quite frankly, a, a different path to get to, to get to where I wanted to go. And so I uh, went to school for, for business and finance and things like that. Ended up uh, in, around 2004 in the uh, hedge fund industry, where uh, before the age of 24, I raised $350 million for uh, a hedge fund that I had, had basically helped uh, grow from, from very small stages up to, to fairly large. Uh, and then from there, uh, actually gave gave it all back. So uh, part of my journey is, you know, kind of doing the blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice to build something, uh, and then having the 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 moral requirement to effectively undo it all uh, under the banner of it was the right thing to do. Uh, took took my leave from there. Ended up uh, taking the next step in technology and fitness uh, in a technology driven fitness concept. Uh, and then that uh, led me to uh, introduction to the folks over at Gym Launch, uh, Alex and Layla Hormozzi, a phenomenal couple that co-founded that business. Uh, and I ended up coming on board uh, at Gym Launch a couple of years ago, uh, grew from zero to $50 million collectively a year. Uh, and then we sold that business a couple of years ago. And, and now kind of taking that last 15 or 20 years of experience in, in a bunch of different areas uh, and helping, uh, helping the next crop of, of business owners uh, in, in, their, in their endeavors. So what do you see business owners really struggle with the most? Like what's, what's the number one thing that's kind of like to them probably feels like it's only them, but really a lot of business owners that you're working with are kind of struggling with that. Yeah. I, I see some commonalities around, you know, the idea of competition is, is a popular one. Uh, so how do I stand out in my market? Uh, and I think when you're early in, in the process, it feels like I just need to do more. And I think one of the things that I've realized after you know the last uh, couple of decades is it's actually doing less and and ending up with doing more of the right things for you uh, and and having the wherewithal to really think through you know how can I stand out in the market through my product through my positioning. Uh, there's a, a famous book, uh, the Red Ocean Blue Ocean or Blue Ocean Strategy is the name of uh, of the book, and the Red Ocean is is red with competition. Uh, and I try to encourage everyone that I work with, the, you know, how can we do blue ocean thinking? Where do we, what category can we create? Where is the, the space in the marketplace uh, where there isn't that, that cutthroat competition? And, and once you can kind of see it that way, that, that change in lens, you actually stop doing more of the same uh, and more of the right things. Yeah. And are you saying, when you say do less rather than more, are you talking about like when yeah. business owners like, oh, well, Joe's shop's doing that, so we should do that. And Sally's shop's doing this, so we should try that too, instead of just like sticking with what's working for them type of thing. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And then even just some basic things, like uh, if you think about marketing right now, if, if you try to be on every channel, in every way, in every marketplace, uh, you, you just spread yourself so thin uh, and that 
you really can't be. It's you're you're an inch wide and a or a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Uh, and in some cases, it actually mm-hmm. makes sense to say, you know, instead of let's let's put ten products to market at the same time. What is what's the one? Let's start there, and then we learn and things like that. So I'm a I'm a big believer in uh, given given some time in the technology industry, you know, the idea of a, a kind of an iterative process. So like, what is the smallest step we can take? to prove out our thinking, to, to find out where the market is instead of just trying to kind of sit behind a screen or proverbially uh, and, and do all the thinking and, and try to do it all. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in those, those kind of small steps. Yeah. It's, it's something I used to tell folks, you know, in, in running Corsica, like you would have people come in all the time and they would go, well, I saw so-and-so was running an ad on this or doing whatever. And I, my response to that was like, look, you know, what you focus on expands, right? So if you focus on competition, you're just going to see more competition, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and all you do is, it, I, I was like, just focus on prospects, right? Focus on our clients, yeah. focus on our existing client wins. Um, and, and what, you know, because certainly that you can find like when you're solving new problems for existing clients, you know, that's really, to me was always telling you like what the market is calling for. Like when your existing clients go, Hey, I've got a problem here. Can you fix it? And you go, actually, yeah, I think we can. Yeah. And, and, but you, that's a pivot point, right? Like you can't chase yeah. every, you know, squirrel that crossed your path, but, but you got to kind of analyze it instead of being an automatic no or automatic yes, maybe see like, Hey, this is a trend that, you know, my client base might need of me. Right. Or, 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 or you might see where other parts of the, uh, the market are failing. You know, I end up getting into VoIP because we just couldn't recommend a good vendor. Like they were all just mm-hmm. flopping and we were like, man, okay, well, I guess if our clients need it and we need someone to do it well and we can't outsource it, you know, I guess we got to get into this. So, so it's, 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 yeah. there is some dichotomy there, but I'm with you. Like, you know, social media, you were mentioning, like you can get in the rabbit hole of social media for the sake of social media. Right. And, and I've worked with a different, different VAs and different marketing firms. I'm like, I tell them out of the gate, like, look, I'm not doing social media for the sake of social media. You know, I, I'm trying to do it strategically where we can do it to provide value and find help, help clients find us. But man, I, I'm not doing dances on TikTok for the sake of saying, <laughs> checking a box, man, I, I can't, I'm not doing yeah. it. And so I, I definitely honor what you're saying. And like, even with social media platform, like find where your clients or prospects are playing and go get good there before you find yourself yeah. trying to produce for eight different channels all at one time. You drive yourself crazy. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you bring up a really good point. I, I'm most of this, I, I work primarily with service-based businesses and, and I think today and, and going forward, the idea of kind of relationship based business is going to become, you know, it's, it's a big deal now. And I think it will be even more important going forward. So that, that kind of relationship begets this recurring revenue component. So what problems can I solve over time? Uh, and uh, since I've, I've spent some time in fitness, you know, that's the, like the idea of, you know, gym owners primarily don't open a gym just for the sake of the gym. They're there because they want to do the right thing and transform lives and have a, have an impact. Well, if you just open a gym, there's actually three core components to kind of that transformation process, right? There's, there's the workouts and the movement component, then there's nutrition, and there's kind of the accountability piece that a lot of people are seeking. So uh, again, how I think about that is you could say, well, I have to be an expert nutritionist. Uh, I have to do all of these things all at the same time. Well, it's like, well, what is the smallest step we can take? Can you bring a nutritionist in and do a, a, a monthly seminar uh, as, as a first step. 
if you get some enrollment, okay, well now we're moving in the right direction. That's, mm. that, that's validation. You know what I mean? Instead of taking on this idea of I have to build it all and build it all at once. Uh, what are, you can have the grand vision, full bridge, but then thinking about kind of at this point in time, which one of these things makes the most sense? What's, what's, what's the easiest thing or the most profitable thing, the highest margin thing that we can focus on to help drive the business forward. And then we can make decisions going forward thereafter on how we actually want to pull that off. So whether it be a joint venture, whether it be a, a uh, you know, building out internally, whether it be, you know, with, with a background in software, you can appreciate, you know, do we build it in-house or do we go and buy it? You know, the build and buy uh, idea. So there's lots of, lots of things out there. And, and I think just understanding where the market is and, and where your customers are, I think is a, is a really good point. Yeah. So what of, you know, how important is the quality of the leadership to the success of an organization, right? You know, I, I've seen, you know, businesses get started, you know, and there's a great book by uh, Michael Gerber called The E-Myth, right? That talks about like, you're, you're, a, you know, you're a baker, but the minute you open that bakery, like you're a business owner, right? So just being a good baker isn't enough. You've got to learn how to be a business owner. Um, and to me, you know, that's when they start to get into this area that maybe just as that quote unquote baker, or that tradesman in some way, you know, they've, they've not been faced with the demands of leadership before. What's been your kind of experience with like, the good, the bad, the toxic of leadership in organizations and how that attributes to, you know, the success or not. Yeah. So I'll, I'll speak for myself. So I've, I've built and founded about a half, half a dozen companies over, over the last 20 years. And so I think earlier in my career, I did, you know, kind of ownership or leadership by almost by abdication. It was, you know, let's hire people to do the things <laughs> that I either didn't want to do or just couldn't be bothered to do or things like that. I don't think I led them. I think it was, you know, I kind of uh, offloaded uh, in a haphazard way uh, the, the things that, that were on my plate. And, and so I, I find that analogy or that kind of story to be quite consistent with a lot of people. It's they don't actually do leadership in the, in the quote unquote, the, the authentic way. It's more of like what's in it for me uh, as I've evolved leadership for me today, uh, and, and you brought up Emith, and I think that's a, a great analogy. The, the Emith kind of concept is over time, you take, you're a craftsman or a, practi you know, a practitioner, and over time, you almost become, it, it, it's almost wrung out of you. So if you're a, a baker, you end up outsourcing all the baking, and then you know, you're left with kind of holding else, everything else is left. Uh, I was recently reading a, a book by uh, Dan Martell uh, of SAS Academy. Uh, he recently wrote a book called Buy Back Your Time. Uh, and so that's been rephrased in my mind, which is I want to build a business so that I can bring on folks who can take over the things that are outside of my area of genius. So, for example, in that baking in, uh, analogy, like if, if baking is the thing that I just love doing, getting up in the morning, then that should be the last thing that you give up. You might have to outsource everything else. And, and I think we sit at an interesting time. Um, I know someone who's, who's uh, very, very strong on content creation right now. And, and he said, you know, almost the opposite of, of where the Emoth book uh, was. He's like, I'll, I'll outsource, the, outsource the business before I outsource content. And I think as we sit today, it's, it's a really interesting time um, because I think leadership is understanding where you are strongest and bringing in people 
not to their detriment, but also, you know, in an ideal world, you stay in your zone of genius and you find other people to take on the things that are outside of yours that happen to be in their zone of genius. So that's for me what it looks like in continuing to kind of put that North Star out there uh, and and get the right people on the bus, uh, if you will. Yeah, definitely. What about the 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 demands of business ownership. I mean, do you yeah. see people like need to kind of level up to kind of meet the demands that maybe, they, maybe they do, maybe they don't know what's coming at them. Like, cause I've always felt like, you know, like you said earlier, I think like the, the first couple of years, there's, and it's pretty almost cliche, right? Like it's so much work um, and the need to kind of persevere through that, you know, um, do you ever come across clients that just, they're just in it and they've got it. They've got to level up, right? It's not necessarily the business and the opportunity there is great, but they've got to kind of rise to meet those demands. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, the business can only grow to the level of your traits and your beliefs. Mm. So if the business is not where you want it to be, that's because of something inherent in the leader, in the leadership. Mm. So you know, the idea of it, you know, is a skill issue? Is it something that you don't know how to do? And, and I, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said for thinking about, you know, what do I need to know versus who do I need to know? And so I think for folks that are just starting or are trying to think through how do I avoid some of those, those pitfalls, you know, find a mentor who's been there and help guide you through those things, right? So, and they can also, you know, you almost can't self-diagnose in some cases, uh, you know, what, what, where the sticking points are, you know, I've, I've got a great mentor who in, in 30 seconds can tell me everything that if I sat here for three days, I would never see, right. You know, you just can't see those things. And, and that perspective is, is hugely important. So uh, finding someone with expertise and uh, the, the, the point of view that can, uh, that you, you can be shown uh, some of those things that, that you might be, uh, might be lacking, you know, I think is, is really important, but yeah. So what, what would you think kind of in your last two decades of, of service and the finance or building these businesses or, or funding them, whatever, like, what do you think has been your, your biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? So for me, I, as I alluded to earlier, I skew more towards the kind of highly sensitive person rather than the gladiator in a traditional sense. Uh, and I think I struggled personally with the identity of like trying to wear the suit that didn't fit. I always had grit. I always had determination. I always had a, had a belief in myself, but it was, it wasn't in the, you know, machismo kind of way. It was like, I, I cared so deeply about the customers that I had, the partners that I had, and it treated me incredibly well. Uh, but I think that the cha- the mental uh, kind of challenge of aligning those things. Uh, and again, thinking that, that there was a, a, a right way to do something. And if it didn't align with how I felt, you know, feeling like that was to my detriment, like it, like it was a liability. Uh, once I made that switch and said, you know, I'm going to double down, not on my, my, uh, on my strengths as far as what I'm good at, but also who I am. Uh, I think things really started to feel better for me uh, during, during that time. But you know, I've, uh, I've built businesses, I've had them fail, uh, raised hundreds of millions of dollars and then had to give it all back. Uh, I, you know, remember, you know, we, we, my wife and I started a, a gym franchise or, or we're, we're gym franchisees. Uh, and I made the stupid mistakes of just kind of going all in. Uh, and I remember one day laying in bed, staring at the ceiling going, 
if this doesn't work, we're screwed. Uh, and I, I have no idea, you know, and so, but those are those times that, right. You, you kind of see who you are. Uh, but I, the, the challenges of bringing a vision uh, or bringing something, you know, kind of to, to fruition, uh, has, has always been both exciting and, uh, and challenging all at the same time. So when you talk about, cause you mentioned a couple of times, like raising a few million dollars and having to give it back, like, what do you mean you had to give it back? <laughs> So uh, I started our, our fund, uh, we grew from 2004 to 2007. And for anyone who was either around or invested or in the, in the stock market uh, in 2008, uh, it was a, obviously the stock market crashed uh, in the fall of 2008. We started to see the beginning signs of that in 2007. And so in October of 2007, uh, we, I, I called all of our investors together and said, you know, things are not acting the way that they should in a normal kind of marketing environment or a market environment. Uh, and we were paid to manage people's money. So we, we were the expert. We were supposed to be able to kind of, no matter what the, the weather, we should be able to, to, to perform. Uh, and I said, quite honestly, guys, we, we cannot continue the way that we have done business for the last you know, three or four years uh, going forward. It's just, it, 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 number one, it won't work. And quite frankly, it's, it's against our fiduciary duty of, of doing the right thing for you uh, to just ignore these warning signs and, and continue going, you know, hundred miles an hour. And so I said, you know, you pay us very handsomely <laughs> to manage your, your, your capital. Uh, so we'll raise, we'll waive our fees, but keep your money with us. And when things kind of normalize, we'll jump back into the market or option two is you can take your money back. And 98% of our investors said, you guys have lost your touch. You're completely wrong. Everyone else I talk to says the market is fine. You know, we're going to keep going. And so uh, December 31 of 2007, we gave back $349 million of capital, uh, wound up, the, you know, uh, dissolved the company, wound down operations, the whole nine yards. Uh, and then basically September of 2008, uh, the financial world proverbially fell apart uh, and we were proven right. So you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, the, the easy decision would have been, you know, we, we got paid a percentage of, of the money we managed, which was like 2% of $300 million is a lot of money. Uh, and we could have just said, you know what, guys, this is our time. Let's just keep clipping coupons and, and stacking cash. And we decided not to do that. And, uh, and that decision both was painful uh, and redeeming all at the same time. Yeah, that comes to the courage aspect, right? Like, you know, I, no yeah. one listen, that's listened before hasn't heard this before, which is like, I try to teach people that courage is doing the right thing despite your fear, fears, right? That's why courage is, is a bit of a virtue, right? It's about doing the greater good over the lesser good. And and those are the hard ones, right? Like, you know, no one else yeah. is seeing it. It's the right thing to do as you see it. And then there's this headwind that's just, you yeah. know, doesn't want to hear it. So sounds like uh, you picked the... Uh, the lesser of two evils that, you know, maybe your clients didn't know at the time, you know, but they, uh, yeah. they probably felt it later, especially if they, they sat in or whatever. Um, so what do you think you're most proud of, yeah. you know, of, of all you've accomplished? Uh, so I am a father of three kids. Uh, and I think as I sit today, I'm probably most proud of the fact that I have built multiple businesses on my own terms. Uh, I've never, I coach my, my daughter's lacrosse teams. I've never missed a game. Uh, and so I think I'm probably most proud of the fact that I did it on my, my own terms. Um, you know, as far as building a business is concerned, uh, my, my proudest moment probably was in college. I started a, 
a, a late night snack delivery business uh, that we, we went from idea to live in about 24 hours, um, went to school in Washington, D.C. And so we, we have from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m., uh, we would deliver cookies and ice cream and stuff to college kids on, on bikes. Uh, and it taught me a lot about marketing. It ta- taught me a lot about you know, meeting demand where it is. Uh, and I think at the time, it was probably one of the most exciting and fun times of, uh, of anything I've built. Uh, because it was just so authentic. Uh, and it, for me, showed my the way I get the best out of myself is to be working with a team. Uh, and I love the kind of group environment of, of you know, I can do well by, by having others around me that, uh, that we can collectively, you know, raise the bar. So then when you saw Uber Eats, you're like, I'm all in. This is... Yeah, it, this a, works. It, it ended up being, the, the, yeah, there was a, a it, I, I love, love the, yeah, I, maybe I should have been smarter at the time and gone from bikes to cars, uh, but uh, did, didn't make that leap. But, you know, at the time it was, you know, went to school in DC and, and everything shut down at 11 o'clock. Uh, and we said, you know, there's, I went to George Washington University. And so, you know, there's thousands of college kids that are like, I want something, but nowhere to go. Uh, and so we created a, a an on-demand delivery service on bikes. So we would, from order to delivery, was seven minutes on average. So you could call us on the way back from the bars and we'd be waiting at your door. Uh, and the marketing lesson that we learned at that time was uh, we gave a free condom with every order. And so we became the guys, the, the guys, the guys that, uh, you know, you could order from and it worked, it worked phenomenally well. Uh, word spread That's like hilarious. wildfire. So uh, it, it proved to me very early on that, uh, a, a great hook or a great marketing idea, uh, can propel any business, uh, very, very quite far forward. That, uh, that attention grabber. Well, I mean, so, so with some of the businesses that you created or, or maybe that you have invested in, like what, um, you know, what are you looking for? Or maybe what, like, that's a great idea, right? You mentioned earlier, like a business is a little bit like a piece of art. Like, you know, where, when do you know you've got one, you know, you're like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is, this is the one I like this. Like what, any kind of like differentiators in your head or, or the way you're looking at things and business ideas. So I like to look at kind of macro terms are uh, businesses that have uh, right now that are more recession proof uh, and have a tailwind. So those are, you know, I always like to look at kind of expanding markets. Uh, and I think services right now is, is a place that I see, you know, a lot of opportunity. Uh, that's just my, my wheelhouse. So I try to stick to my wheelhouse. Uh, and then on the other side, I look at things where I can help because I, I become a partner in the business. And I learned, like working with founders and, and uh, business owners, CEOs who, you know, I can feel that kind of partnership relationship with. Uh, and so a place that I can bring my uh, expertise and my network primarily are the ones that I'm looking at. Because uh, once, you know, there's, uh, I can't remember if it was uh, Warren Buffett or, or Charlie Munger said, uh, you know, compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. Mm. And those that basically recognize it, benefit from it, that, and those that don't do it at their own peril. I try to align everything I do to be, uh, to compound on, on each other. So if I had take on a coaching client, I want to be able to bring more than just, uh, you know, be another, uh, another, uh, kind of face that they can call or, or talk to, uh, I help try to bring more than that to the table and it's worked very, very well. And I, I think we collectively should all be thinking about, uh, you know, how do we leverage each of those opportunities, everything we do, uh, to be able to, to get more out of it than, uh, than we otherwise would. 
Yeah, that's the whole one plus one equals three, right? You know, that when you can, you know, whole captive planet it, right? With our powers combined, right? Like, you know, you get in there yeah. and and you and in because you're working together in partnership. Um and that was my experience too. Like our uh, my first, not my first partnership, but, um, you know, we, we merged with a shop up in New York and it was just, it was that, you know, yeah. because even as a business owner, I got the shed hats, right. It, you know, it was two partners. Mm-hmm. We merged with other company. It was t- two partners and we got to shed our hats and get hyper-focused and like maximize like the best thing that we could contribute, you know, and it, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but, but, it, you know, how do you know what's a good part? What does a good partner look like? I guess, you know, when, when, when it comes to like, cause a lot of people will like start a business. Like, I got to have a partner, you know, when do you need a partner? When don't you need a partner? Yeah. So I've, I've failed at this. So let me give you my kind of uh, retrospective. Uh, I think partnerships naturally occur around uh, or they, they naturally occur around common interest. Right. So if you and I both loved something in particular and we both kind of, you know, mind melded over the kind of a singular interest on, and then we're like, hey, you know, we both like the same things. Like, let's go start a business together. That is usually the manifestation of we have similar views. We have similar skill sets. We have similar things to bring to the table. Uh, and so what happens is a business has needs regardless of the founder's uh, desire or, you know, kind of thoughts around it, right? You know, a business has to do marketing, it has to operate, it has to do all the sell and all, all of these things. Well, if you and I both love technology, right? So we're going to go, you know, we're, we, we're going to code all day long and that's who's going to operate it, who's going to do legal, who's going to pay payroll, who's going to sell, who's going to market. The business has those needs regardless of, of what you what you bring to the table, right? So a lot of partnerships, I think, are failed from the beginning because there's too much overlap Hmm. and not enough forethought as to say, if you're going to bring on a partner, you should bring something to the table. They should bring something to the table. And that one plus one equals three concept has to be what, you know, what, what is created out of that synergy, right? If you have too much overlap, it just, it ends up being, well, okay, if we both like sales, well, who's doing the selling? And if you're not doing the selling, then what else are you going to do? Because we already know that's not something you're interested in. So that's where they typically break down. So I like trying to find, I'm, I'm a, I, people are attracted to me because of my background and some of the things I've accomplished, but they're typically practitioners. So I have uh, one client right now who's doing phenomenally well. He's uh, blowing up on social media uh, and he's like, this is my first business. So I just want to do content and I want to manage the product. Everything else, I have no idea, and I don't even want to think about it. Like, awesome. I don't want to be the front of the house guy. I am not the, you know, I, so we have very complementary views. Uh, and so it becomes very clear who's responsible for what. And our overlap is where the business has really improved. Um, so things like that. I try to look at uh, opportunities where my addition uh, is complementary to, to the other founder or founders. Do you think also how hard is it because doesn't it come into play also when it's like who is ultimately in charge, right? Like, so, so who's the CEO, right? Who's the, you know, you know, yeah. when it's that, how do you recommend like partners figure that out? Like who gets the final say and things like that? So a couple of different things there. So who has the final say is a tough one. Cause a lot, let, let's say it's, you know, you and I start a business together and we go, Hey, let's just split it down the middle. First of all, never do a 50-50 partnership, ever. 
you will be locked in stalemates for as long as, you know, for, for eternity. Um, but the idea of kind of like who is leading a, a, a business primarily is led by, in my opinion, the person who has the best, the greatest ability to see kind of the 360 view. And typically that in the, in the beginning, especially skews towards marketing and sales. Who can understand the marketplace and things like that? Because you can hire a good COO, you can hire a good CFO, uh, but businesses pretty much live or die on the market fit and the product suite. So that's just generally where I would kind of draw the line. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, kind of uh, the, the, your traits, of course, matter a lot in this. And so uh finding you should establish those things first and if you feel like you're confused on those you hire a mentor to help kind of sort through it uh and because uh, someone needs to be in that seat uh definitively and uh, you know if, if no one's if one person is not responsible uh or everyone's responsible no one's responsible so yeah. somebody do, does need to fill that role specifically yeah yeah and that's what i was hoping you were going to say right because i i just come across folks all yeah. the time especially in that entrepreneurial stage where they're trying to get started and they go, they've got this great idea and this vision and they go, and I'm going to get John to partner with me. And I go, yeah, why? Uh, well, you know, we've been best friends since middle school, but why? <laughs> you know, why? And, what you, yeah. and we're going to be 50, 50 partners. And it's, and, 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 and I always start to like, just challenge, like, what are you solving for? You know, what, you know, because yeah. I, I found a lot of that sometimes just, they want the good old buddy system to kind of help be mm -hmm. a backstop. <clears throat> and and I'm glad you pointed out like the 50, 50 point, right? Because, because that's just it. You know, I, I've kind of seen this situation where I've told folks like, Hey, you're the one with the vision. You're the one with the idea. You don't need a partner. You need resources, right? Like, cause that's what you've been saying, mm -hmm. right? You've got this great idea and you're, you're the widget maker and that's all you want to do. Like you don't need to go partner with the COO or whatever per se, you need a CEO, COO, right? You need that resource. You don't need necessarily a partner. And, and, and I'm, I'm overstepping the fact that there's different strategies like profit interest and stuff that yeah. you can get people, you know, engaged, yeah. you know, with the reward of the work. But, but, you know, you don't need to kind of go, Hey, I need a 50, 50 partner because to this point, like at the end of the day, I agree. Someone's got to be the one that everyone agrees, like the buck stops with you. Like, we might all disagree, but you've got the say in, and you're going to own it, right? Like, you know, you've got the final say. And um, because you're right, when, when that clarity is not established early, the problem is that lack of clarity rears its ugly head at difficult times. And, you know, those roots and tentacles might be in, might be a little too deep that makes it comfortable to kind of sort that stuff out easily. Yeah. And, and when done well, it ends up being quite complimentary, you know, additive in the tradition, in the, in the true sense. So uh, Alex and Lilo Hermosi over at Gym Launch, I had the great, great uh, uh, honor of, of working alongside both of them. You know, Alex was a sales and marketing and product vision guy. And Layla was the ops, legal, HR, finance, you know, things like that. So, you know, if you actually look at it, you, you could say is one more important than the other, really not. And by having the two of them be equally strong, they actually, you know, Alex would push Layla, Layla would push Alex, but, but the, the company collectively never did anything until we had alignment. Yep. We battle as, you know, in, in the military sense, it's like all the arguments happened behind the scenes, but once we left the room, you know, it was like any unspent shells, all right, this is what we disagree, you know, we agree on. 
this is what we collectively agreed on. So there was all of that discussion and all, and, and that's the way it should work. Uh, and yeah. that's how we got the best out of everybody on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're talking about accountability, right? You know, like the, yeah. the, the, I, you know, personally, I, I've not really, you know, and I get it. And then I also say, look, I don't care what my title is. I don't care what your title is. I care what I'm accountable for, what I'm responsible for, mm -hmm. and what you're accountable and responsible for. And we are clear on that. Like you can call yourself popsicle, man. I don't care <laughs> because I just need yeah. to know what you're in, what you're responsible for so yeah. that when it comes to that area, we can all turn to you. And we all know like, Hey man, that Tim, that, that's Tim's area. You know, that, that's got to go to him that he owns that because, because when there's, because sometimes the titles don't do it you know it's it's, it's just like you yeah. said with, with alex and layla it's 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 who's accountable for what and that's the dividing lines and now it's real clear like hey well that's that sounds like a sales thing to me talk to alex you know he, he's got yeah. the final say on that and and then you still you know everyone kind of appreciates that um and then you kind of got this circle of trust around you that that People will, and that's what I loved about uh, my partnership with my my core, the core four of us at Corsica was that there was that. It's like, hey, Dale, I, I've got opinion. Here's my opinion, but the, the decision's yours or vice versa, right? Yeah. We, we all gave our um, constructive feedback. And I'll, I'll go so far to like be hoity-toity here and say it was out of love. Like we we're all rowing in the same direction, right? It wasn't a, a ego Absolutely. thing or, you know, it wasn't like I want to see it my way, Um which I saw, you know, when we sold and, and kind of leveled up and got a lot more, you know, cooks in the kitchen, I saw a lot more of mm -hmm. that, which was new, you know, that, that people just wanted their stamp on things, uh, good, bad, yeah. or indifferent. It, it, it became more about ego, which I, I didn't like, and I knew it didn't work coming from like an environment where four of us all agreed, like who's accountable for what. And we all respect that because we know that person's mm -hmm. working in the interest of the whole. And so, so yeah, it sounds like you're talking, just be clear about the accountabilities and let, let the, let the things fall where they may. Yeah. I think it's, it, there's, there's also a, a tremendous culture piece to this, right? So if, do you have the type of organization that the, the title gets in the way of the collective benefit of the business? So, you know, you might be familiar with Bridgewater Associates, the largest hedge fund in the, in the world, hundreds of billions of dollars under management. Uh, Ray Dalio, as, as former uh, uh, CEO, you know, they have a, a culture of radical transparency and meritocracy. So you can, got, you can be the newest guy, lowest guy on the totem pole, but if you, it, the best idea wins. Mm. And the culture of the business going in and, and they screen for this is everybody's going to, this radical transparency idea is like good, bad, or indifferent. It, you're going to play it straight. And I think so many businesses get caught up in, uh, and, and this was, this has been hard for me to get to. It's like, you know, you have to put yourself in that you have to, as a CEO, you have to create the space for that to be, the way things operate and reinforce those those core tenants. Uh, but then for folks coming on uh, onto the team, it becomes very clear very quickly whether they are a culture fit, not in the kind of, yeah, you know, do they like, you know, free snack Friday? It's, you know, is this the type of person who can own, you know, own a mistake? Are they the type of person who can challenge leadership? Like if those things matter to you, and I think most people... I think many business owners, especially when the smaller end of the spectrum, don't pay as much attention to that 
But I think it's critically important, especially early on when you, you know, when everybody's got to be rowing in the same direction. Uh, I would have spent more time thinking about that, communicating it uh, than I probably did in some of the companies that I founded. And it just what other, what happens otherwise is you get a morass of of people doing different things in different ways, uh, and nobody really knows uh, kind of what what's uh, what's going on. Yeah, and what the ultimate name kind of sucked up in the rat race yeah. of the business, and and that's where you know when we were talking about earlier, um, you know, like you know these the the, the person. Someone's ultimately, even if you stay that that widget maker, like someone's still got to be like that visionary role, right? Someone's still got to be calling mm-hmm. out like, here's our North Star. Like, this is why we exist, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of, you know, and I don't know if that's the founder or the founder kind of delegates that or or is a combination of the founder with their, you know, their their uh, collective of resources that are helping kind of see the light and build a, build a combined vision. But, but that's it. Like, there's got to be an ultimate vision that everyone knows they're working towards. Uh, and that that that's a multi-headed beast too, because sometimes that's, it's not just mission. Like, Oh, we're, we're, we're aiming for, towards $3 million this year or, you know, a certain market, but it's also like, what is your vision of the culture? Right. So that you can screen topics and issues like, Hey, this is how we're going to look culturally as an organization so that you can kind of help use that to filter what's right and wrong in these decisions of right and right and wrong and wrong. You're like, Hey, well, how does this fit in our core values? And, and uh, how does this fit to our financial goals? How does this fit towards our target market Mm -hmm. and getting kind of clarity there and and kind of that leadership team and that visionary kind of helping, you know, bring that stuff to light so that, like you said, the team is all kind of rowing in the same direction. And and if they know what that stuff is, they can, you know, they can even day to day, you know, use in the military, that's the commander's intent, right? Like leverage the commander's mm-hmm. intent to know kind of what their focus is or, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. I, one of the first exercises I do with clients is uh, I'll ask, you know, if they've got a team, I ask everybody on the team to the same questions. And your expectation would be things like, what's the most important thing in the business today? Answers were always different. How do we quantify success? Sales? Is it calls? Is it impressions? Is it like, so what is it? What are we trying to do here? Yeah. And then to your point, you know, what, where, where's the business going in five years, you get, you know, you get on time machine, you know, get out five years from now and look back, look around. What is, what is the business? And when you start to kind of pull apart, like, oh, I didn't clearly communicate that this new initiative, like for me as a, as a uh, CEO, I always liked, I was always pushing product, you know, pushing the product development, you know, what else do we need to do? Things like that. Uh, And every time I had a new idea, I'd go and talk to our team about it. And quite frankly, towards the end, one of my leads, uh, we had, we had physical locations. She just came up to me and said, can you just leave? Like, we're good. I'm going to fire you from your job because every single time you come in and, and kind of rock the boat, we don't know what we're supposed to do. Is it the new idea? Is it the old idea? What are we doing? And so if, if and the marker for this is if your team rolls their eyes when you said, I, I just came back from a conference and I've got lists of stuff to do. If your team groans or rolls their eyes, you might be this person. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I, I've learned that I need to be very, it's like that old uh, adage, you know, what you say is heard with a a megaphone and, you know, what you do is under a microscope. It Mm -hmm. is very true. Uh, And and it's those little inaccuracies that you may not even be aware of that are communicating 
uh, something that you may may not intend. Yeah. So it, one thing I wanted to touch back on before we kind of wrap up here is when you're talking about the things you're most proud of, talk to me a little bit about like what business owners, entrepreneurs, and, 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 and you know, folks that are trying to grow, like what do they need to know as far as that dichotomy of, you know, the work and I'll say what you're doing it for, hopefully, you know, outside of work and, and family and so on. Yeah, I, I just, I believe that mo- the, the, that I'm here personally to be able to help give back to those that are coming now after me based on the, the 20 years of, of my, the, the, my career that I've had. Uh, I've realized that doing more has seldomly actually pushed the business or myself forward. Uh, so now I actually spend more time on actually thinking uh, and and the soft side, which I used to think was just for, for people that had too much time on their hands. Uh, and so doing less, but doing more things, it's like that 95-5 principle or the Pareto principle. You know, If you don't know what the 20% that moves the 80% is, you probably have to take a step back mm. because you're wasting a lot of time. And I think I was more like, let's just get to work and do more work. That's not the lever. Uh, and so I'm, I'm particularly proud of the fact that I've kind of come through that, uh, the sacrifices, you know, of, of, I don't, I have no visions of trying to be a billionaire and all of those types of things. Uh, I just believe that if I can do right by, uh, my family and, and package up the things that, that I've learned along the way, uh, that everything else will, will kind of take care of itself. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've built small companies. I've, I've got in, you know, eight, nine figure companies. Uh, and it's uh, the, the lessons that I've learned, uh, if I can give any, uh, any guidance to anyone who's just starting, uh, find someone who's been there before, find a mentorship group, find a mentor, find a mastermind, find, think about not what you need to know, but who you need to know is probably the best advice I can give anybody who's just starting out. Yeah. Cause there are some serious blind spots. <laughs> That, that you, that you, you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, and and you can you can you can spend you know years uh, you know in the wrong direction, uh, and then you know it, it's better to just to to be vulnerable, vulnerable, uh, and and honest about where you are, what you know, what you don't. Uh, the sooner you do that, the further you'll you'll, you'll go. Yep, your network will grow really quick too as a result Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool, Tim. Well, thanks for coming on. What, how can uh, people find more information about you and the things that you're doing? Yeah, Instagram, uh, tim.calise. That's T-I-M dot C-A-L-I-S-E. Also, my website, timcalise.com. Uh, I have a, a phenomenal group of uh, entrepreneurs and business owners uh, in our community. Uh, there's no cost to it. So if you go to timcalise.com slash VIP, you can get on that uh, and uh, be kind of part of that community. Uh, we're dropping good information, valuable nuggets uh, all all week long uh, via email list. So I uh, will look forward to having anybody uh, anybody join us there. Awesome, I love it. No, we need it, man. And and this day and age, especially just technology has kind of created this wave of entrepreneurs and folks like getting in business. So there's a ton of blind spots. So you know, I appreciate guys like you out there helping fight the good fight and and help folks kind of because it, it's it's hard, but it's it's a good kind of hard. But you know, you gotta grow and hear these lessons from mentors like you say so that that's awesome so tim it, man it's been an honor having you on and hearing about what you're doing and sharing some of those insights man so uh i appreciate you coming on and those that you serve and uh look forward to talk to you again real soon thanks so much i appreciate it very much yep thank you
Bye-bye.